welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. My pronouns are she, her, they. And I am on the unceded land, the traditional sites of the Multnomah, Wasco, Calitz, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and so many other tribes that made their homes along the Columbia River. And I am grateful to the keepers of the land. And that brings me sort of to what I want to talk about today. I just did an amazing archery workshop. And I'm still in the park because it is so beautiful. And I had to stop my car because so many things were happening. Um, And I'll explain. First... I wanted to say that um, some things are true, yet very hard to believe, and sound cliche. What I mean by that is what needs doing will get done. That is true. Do I believe it every day or multiple times during the day? No. But... Yet it remains true. What I really need to do will get done. And what I don't need to do won't get done. (laughs) And as I break that apart, I'm like, well, yeah, duh. Or what I don't need to do will get done. And what I do need to do won't get done. Whether I stress about it or not, doesn't matter. Um, Breathe. That seems like a cliche. Yet... It's true, and I see it every time I teach archery. If you are learning archery, and you are in your breath, and you pick up the rhythm, you shoot better. If you can take that rhythm of breath into embodiment, and stand straight but not stiff, in your body, breathing, releasing, your aim improves. I've seen it hundreds of times. I mean, I've taught over 500 people archery and not one time did I see breath not improve their archery form. Another one is nature heals. That feels like a cliche, but it is true. This morning I was waiting for my friend Sarah, who was on the podcast last week, to show up for her lesson with her friend Becky. Um, and I was standing there, and a beautiful hawk, my one of my favorite animals, one of my, call it a, a Patronus animal, flew low over the archery range and landed in a tree where I could get like 20 feet away from it. And I was freaking out because that is my animal. And I got really close to it, and I was talking to it, and I was like, to other people, I look crazy. But I don't care. It let me stand there and talk to it. And it was a beautiful thing for me. Because that is a powerful animal to me. And then when Becky and Sarah showed up and got out of their car. It swooped over their car and into a tree behind them. Super low. And so I was like, you guys, you guys, look, look, look. Yes. To other people, maybe I sound crazy. I don't care. Nature heals. Then we were shooting, 
and that beautiful hawk swooped down out of a tree five feet, maybe 10 at the most, over my head, right over my head. Now to someone that looks at a hawk and goes, okay, they're beautiful, who cares? Or they kill things, I don't care. A hawk to me is a message about something else, something powerful. And I let that hawk speak to me. Does that sound crazy? I don't care. Then I came down the hill from the archery range and I had this vision of who I am embodied in a hawk coming out of my chest. That's my vision. It's my true self coming out of my chest with what, what did the dove carry in the uh, Bible story of the flood? I can't remember. It was like an olive branch or something like that. Whatever means peace. So the hawk, a brutal, powerful animal bursting through my chest with an olive branch in its beak. So nature heals. And I'm combining that in my body and thinking about it. Breath heals. So many things that we think about we can easily write off we can easily write off and I'm sure probably 10% of the people maybe that have taken the archery were like well that was a one-off that power that I felt was a one-off or they can look at it like I was powerful in my body and I can do that again maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but I can embody that again and that's kind of the, the paradox. Kathy Escobar talks a lot about the paradox. Um, holding two things at the same time. Grief and joy. Rage and... What is the opposite of rage? I don't know. Peace. Um, and living in a paradoxical way. And so be, before I parked where I'm parking right now and why I love this spot is one day I probably like three years ago I was leaving the archery range and this is one of the most populated parts of the of the park that I do archery in and this truck was in front of me and he was like pointing at something and I was like what and you know my first reaction was dude get over yourself I'm not doing anything wrong Obviously, my first reaction was, oh, I must be doing something wrong. And then I looked, and in front of me right now, if you can picture it in your mind's eye, are three trees grouped pretty closely together. I believe that they're dug for powerful medicine. And then an open field that they used to do soccer in all the time, and actually originally was the archery range. But it is one of the most populated parts of Washington Park. It's right by the Rose Garden. It's right by the Japanese Garden. Probably gets thousands of tourists a day. And I pull into the spot behind that white truck and across this field. So this field is also surrounded by trees. Is a stag walking across the field. Just nonchalant. <laughs> whatever. 
And I don't know, you know, I'm not a hunter, so I don't know, but I think it had three points, which is, I believe, three points on the horns or rack of whatever you call it. I don't know. I'm not a hunter. And I pulled in and I watched him walk across the field and it was a powerful moment because where I live, we don't see that. Where you live, maybe you see deer all the time, and so you're like, big deal. But I live in a city that rarely sees any deer. And in one of the most populated places in the city, Washington Park, I see this pretty big stag walk across the field. And it was a magical moment. And so while I'm talking about paradox... And sayings that sound cliche. I also want to talk about powerful moments. Much like what I said about people that maybe that have done archery and were like, oh, that was fun and I felt powerful in my body and maybe I'll never feel that again. Not losing these moments, these magical moments. That hawk swooping over my head gliding actually over my head is a magical moment and if I sit with that moment it empowers me in more ways than I can probably even imagine right now talking to you that stag going across the field was a magical moment for me it brought me joy it brought me strength I went home and I looked up what it means to see a stag going across the field I can't remember what it was now But it could have just been, oh my gosh, that's cool. There's a stag going across the field. And that's fine on its own. But that's enough. You were in the moment. You let it speak to you in that moment. And then you walked away totally fine on its own. And I want to suggest that there's more to it or there could be more to it. The other thing that happened to me is I pulled up into this spot. And I see a squirrel on top of the garbage can. And I'm like, what is going on? And I look closely. I really wanted to get a photo of it for the podcast because it was hysterical. So the squirrel is sitting on top of the garbage can with a candy wrapper in its mouth, which I think was peanut-based, licking the candy wrapper. Just going to town on the candy wrapper. Now, again, I could have looked looked at that and went, oh, squirrels. I'm not a huge fan of squirrels. If you live in Portland or you live in a place that has a lot of squirrels, you know, they're not my favorite. They destroy my garden. They rip up plants. You know, they're just trying to survive, I guess, but they're not my favorite animal. But instead, I looked at that squirrel licking that candy wrapper, and I cracked up. I laughed so hard, I started crying. Now, that is the paradox. Again, it's an animal I don't love. Licking a candy wrapper, instant joy for me. You can't buy this stuff, y'all. It's like, I think what I'm trying to do, and I don't get this all the time, But notice moments, especially right now with so much grief, so much racism, so much attacks on 
women's bodies. We have to snatch joy. We have to grab onto it and hold onto it, even if it's only for 30 seconds. We have to see power in the glorious display of that hawk gliding through the air. And we have to hold on to that power for a moment. The other thing that was beautiful that I just remembered is there was another point where the hawk was gliding into a tree and landed on this tree and was being (laughs) screamed at by a crow. And I love the power dynamics there. I I mean, I love a hawk. I do love a crow too, because I... I, I, I'm determined to make friends with the crows in my backyard. I haven't done it yet. And I've seen it with the Swifts. I used to go and see the Swifts every year for my birthday. And you would see these tiny little birds doing their beautiful murmurations in the sky. And a hawk would come and try to pick off a lone bird. And that murmuration that swarm of birds would go for that hawk like nobody's business and that hawk most of the time would not be successful and that crow just one lone crow against a a pretty giant hawk and the crow is screaming at the hawk now the beauty of that juxtaposition is not lost on me Because in so many ways, we are the Swifts, just trying to cobble together a group of people that are saying, this is unjust, this is not right, and going against this force that has convinced us that we are powerless against it. Whatever that force is, whether it's governmental, corporations, racism, and I'm not saying that it isn't coming for us. It is coming for us. And our power together can face off against that entity that's coming against us. And also, sometimes we just need to take a break. Sometimes we need to be a swift in the back of the murmuration because we took it the last time and we can't take it anymore. We need the whole of the group to say no more. We need the whole of the group. We need the whole of white people in America or wherever you live to say no more and let the other Swifts take a break in the back of the murmuration. What I'm trying to say is so many things, but they all are interconnected. Simple things. Sometimes the things that seem like the biggest cliches, there is truth. There is power in breath. There is power in what needs to be done will get done. There is power in listening to yourself. There is power in slowing down. There is power in numbers. All the things that feel like, maybe right now, that they don't mean anything. And... There is beauty around us. There is power around us that we can tap into. I've talked about 
the Doug fir tree in the back in my backyard and I spent a lot of time under that fir tree the first year year plus of the pandemic and it really helped ground me I've gotten medicine off that tree I've made gin from the fir tips I've breathed it in I've watched the crows have their babies and scream at me when I come in the backyard because they're trying to protect their babies that's a simple thing and it had power and grounding for me the hawk power in flight power in in a glide and a soar joy in the squirrel licking the wrapper the candy wrapper the blossoms the breeze whatever we can get wherever we can get it to snatch joy to snatch peace to ground ourselves to say to somebody who we know might be under it right now to say to somebody that has been experiencing trauma from what they're watching and seeing, whoever they are, POC friends of ours, we can stand up, we can give money, we can also say, I am here, I am sorry, this is bullshit, I'm gonna fight for you and with you and for us because we are in it together. And I think when we can snatch these elements that when we can soak in the in the dappled light right now that's what we have in this moment the other thing i want to illustrate is i have been going through something that has been very painful for me and i'm going to really try not to diminish it as i talk about it because what my pusher the part of me inside that's constantly uh, making adjustments and um, diminishing myself says well it's not as hard as what somebody else might be going through you know this person has this problem and this person has experienced this diagnosis yes and this is hard for me in January, I was di diagnosed with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. And it has been, for me, a hard journey because I have worked for so many reasons, not just because X, Y, Z. But I have worked really hard to get to know my body, to be at peace with my body, to be loving, to have a dialogue, to be in it together. That has been a long process for me as a survivor. And obviously the process isn't over because the process is constantly changing. For me, when I had children, you know, getting pregnant, giving birth, being a mom, all of that altered my conversation with my body. You know, having a back injury altered my conversation with my body. Going through perimenopause, which I'm kind of at the end of, I think right now, it's a mystery, thanks to not caring about women's health, um, is a process of getting to know my body. Hypothyroid and Hashimoto's is another process of getting to know my body in a new way. And I got to say that sometimes I feel like, well, you should know that this is a process by now. But I don't. Because I want it to be, well, it's not one and done. <laughs> 
It's like five and done. You know, I want to be at a place where I don't really have to think about my body anymore. But that's not realistic. I am always going to be living in this body, working with it, learning to love it in its aging and its limitations and its beauty and its weakness and all of it, especially as I age. I'm 51. It's not going to get, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not getting younger. So with it's going to come things that I want to participate with. That's been my, since I had my first memory of my abuse and started to work with a therapist, that's been a mantra of mine is I want to participate with my body. I want to participate with the experiences that I'm going through in my body. I don't want to disassociate I don't want to white knuckle. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to deny as much as I can in part of the process. I want to participate with my body. That's been a mantra now for probably almost 20 years. And I forgot about that for a minute. And I think I forgot about it because part of participating is also looking at the things underneath. And so the things underneath for me have been things that I have told myself my whole life or someone told me or through actions caused me to believe about myself. And one of the things that I have believed about myself is healing is not for me. And I've talked about it on here before. And I'm at a new level of the onion because healing is for me. And part of healing, sometimes a part of healing is slow. And what is healing anyway? Does healing mean I won't have hypothyroid anymore? I don't know. Probably not. You know, does healing mean I won't have Hashimoto's? I don't know. They say that I, you know, that you can heal that. I don't really know what that means because I think hypothyroidism and probably hyperthyroidism are some of the most confusing diagnoses that you can have because it mirrors perimenopause. No two people with hypothyroid have the same symptoms or all the same symptoms. It's, it's crazy. I don't know. But one thing I know is it's another way for me to take myself a little bit deeper. And what that means is I'm talking about it in therapy and it's opening up feelings that I knew were there. It's just another level of these feelings that I've always had to some degree. And I've looked at them and at that point made peace with them or talked to them or whatever it was. And they're still there to some degree because they are a part of me. I'm not saying that they'll be a part of me forever. I'm guessing probably to some degree. And if I can, I don't know if make peace is the right word, but acknowledge them, have conversations with them, my body, my fear of not being strong, because that is a like much like the hawk coming out of my chest with olive branch. I gravitate towards images of strength because so much of my existence I felt weak, powerless, 
and a target. And that's okay that I gravitate towards symbols of strength. I just, it's a new level of me taking things to therapy, digesting things. My friend Miriam and I had a conversation a few months ago. She's a new friend of mine. And we were talking about bodies. And it's probably about four or five months ago. We were talking on the phone. And towards the end of our conversation, I was just like, I said something like, I just need to figure this out and fight it or wrestle it or something that was more of a violent image. And she looked at me and said something like, you know, or you could just be gentle and lovingly participate with it. And that's what I want to do. And the reason I'm telling you this story is this week, this has been the most energy that I've had the most joy that I've had because one of the symptoms of hypothyroid is depression. And for me to notice things, I always notice things like a hawk or a heron. I'm, uh, my family makes, doesn't, doesn't make fun of me, but <laughs> when they see me see a hawk, they're like, mom, there's a hawk. Cause it's, I'm always noticing hawks. But I want to call out that this week I have felt the most hopeful, the most energetic, and I've taken a couple naps and I've been tired because that's part of the process. And that's why I think the images that I've seen today, the squirrel on the garbage, the hawk in the air, the beauty in spring is because I have not been hopeful. And it's been hard for me to see that there will ever be a time where I would be in my body again, like I have been in the past. And so that's why I want to bring, to bring you back to snatching the moments that you have, touching the bark of a tree, <laughs> breathing in the pitch and the smell, laying in, in grass, there is a video going around that I found last night, and I love it so much. Uh, a black man with his phone doing a selfie, running through a field going, I'm going to frolic. And he's laying in the grass, rolling around and frolicking. Just when you think the video's over, in comes another man. This man has a whole head of dreads. And then the first thing you see is, I'm going to frolic and he falls down. And so you just see his dreads flying and he's rolling on the ground. And then another man, and I, I think there's three or four men, you know, and we never see that. We never see men, number one, frolicking. I don't know if I've ever had the honor of seeing a black man frolic because our culture has not given them the right to frolic without making themselves a target. And it was just this freeing, it tapped into that child part of me that's like, yes, we all fucking need to frolic. In the face of what is coming against us, we need to embrace frolicking. <laughs> and it brought me so much joy. So, to the best of your ability, according to what you can get access to, frolic, sniff trees, run around, roll in the grass, hold a buttercup under your neck to see if you like butter. 
all the things that you may be not allowed to do. That is not a sentence. You maybe don't feel like you can do or haven't been allowed to do or were shamed as a child to do. Smell the flowers. Look at the birds. Watch the bees collect their pollen. Watch the leaves float through the air. Watch a squirrel lick a candy wrapper. Take care of yourself, everybody. Remember, you are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. Have a good week. Look for the magic. And don't forget to frolic. I love you. Oh, 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 oh,